I get a call from no, I had a missed call from Jordan. I call him back. Jordan picks up the phone and goes, "I almost died." <laughs> I did. I was like, "Wait a second, what?" <laughs> Welcome to the Speak the Language podcast. His name is Jordan Blissett, and I'm me. Uh, boom. What do we have? Do we have to talk about anything before we get going? I mean. We got a lot to talk about. Well, yeah, but uh, you know, we do. I mean, there's still the Outdoor Channel. There's reruns right now because we're in fourth quarter. Uh, I'll talk about YouTube again because uh, although all the episodes from this run are uploaded, still get people asking about the YouTube channel and where they can see old shows. So if you haven't checked it out yet, everyone knows YouTube. Go to YouTube, type in Primo's Hunting, search yeah it should be the first channel to pop up be our green logo on the thumbnail you'll see on the on the page just click on that channel and there's a whole lot of videos dating back to 10 years ago on there yeah and so the most recent run of shows should be uh at the top of the playlist or somewhere right up at the top is most recently updated um so yeah all those from that runner up it'll be a little while before we put new ones up there but those are up there right now and we got a we got a lot happening with a custom meal shop too. Yeah, we uh, it's getting that time of year. Everybody's thinking about Christmas presents and all that. And uh, uh, a lot of people know this, but there's a lot of people that don't either. You can go to our website and uh, actually custom make a grunt call, a boot puller, a turkey call, just all kinds of great gift ideas to really put that special purpose on something for uh, your husband, wife, daughter, son, whatever, uncle, yeah. in-law anybody and it's a gift that they won't throw in the garbage next year because it'll mean something to them you know they absolutely will not so uh if y'all are thinking about gift ideas for your husbands or thinking about them for anybody really and uh go check it out and that is also at primos.com yep i ordered like two or three the other day trying to get my christmas shopping done do you know i went to like uh sam's few days ago and they already had christmas decorations for sale it's time it's like, time calm down it's not even halloween yet which you ever i may offend some people with this moment did your family growing up did they ever decorate their house for halloween nothing like was like ghost or nothing man we had pumpkins and hay bales and that kind of stuff that's not halloween that's like fall decor well i mean we, we had pumpkins with faces carved in well, them that's halloween jack-o'-lantern but i'm talking like i was driving uh to my parents house the other day and i passed the house on the way there and i'm talking spider webs they had like a little machine thing hanging from hanging from their porch it had like a little automated look like a witch flying around on a broom <laughs> i passed another house they had a skeleton I, I, they had a skeleton that was there, over the height of the roof of the house there's a house in my neighborhood that's got a spider web hanging off of it i think we did that kind of stuff i bought you know you went to walmart in the toy section they had all the halloween all the face paint and all that back when you were a kid yeah i, I think i usually try to talk my mom into buying me some of that and i usually get some of that spray uh spray silly string stuff and make spider webs out of it it's just a lot yeah like i don't know maybe it's more it's becoming more popular to do so i guess or more so than i can remember but like you see someone go like above and beyond on christmas decorations you just kind of accept it or i do at least but i see some i see a house like that that's like all the halloween decorations i'm like gracious that's a lot of stuff going on purebred american man i mean whatever i mean whatever float it just i just didn't 
I didn't know what to make of it at first. I was like, man, these people really like some Halloween. <laughs> uh, in my mind, you know, it's probably just something to get their mind off everyday living. Something to look forward to, decorate your house, you know. Yeah, teach their own. Yeah. Um, so we're going to start out this one. So last week we answered some questions, and people seemed to like that. And so I'm gonna, we're going to keep that going. And instead of waiting to the end of the podcast to do it like we have done in the past, we're just going to start this one first, and then we'll go into the meat of what we're going to talk about today. But this is kind of a lengthy one. So instead of trying to summarize it, I'm just going to read the question sent in so you can hear it and listeners can hear it here we go this is a question that was sent in been listening to the, the podcast love it was going to send in this to hear y'all's opinion here's the scenario me and five of my buddies secured a thousand acre lease of primetime hunting in i won't say the location in case he doesn't want to give it away the land hasn't been stepped foot on or hunted in three years no pressure that we know of on the deer or turkeys etc opening weekend I'll skip over that as well. I don't know how much they want to keep secret, but they had some success on opening weekend, some pretty substantial success. Um, so they say the place has a lot more uh, potential, and they secured a long-term lease, and they've been bumping heads on planting quality food plots or just cheaper cereal grain plantings for the seasons to come. In our opinion, how important would it be for us to establish high-quality food plot system for next year? We roughly have uh, 1.5 acres of food plot, per 100 acres what would you plant in ratio to cereal grains brassicas and clover i know it's a lot but would love to hear you and jordan's opinion on the podcast and i feel like it would help fellow hunters who are getting their first lease uh-huh i'm with you do i need to touch over that again what yeah, the mix, so go, go over the acreage and stuff okay again. so they have a thousand acre lease and they're, they're happy with it place doesn't have a lot of pressure they not that they know of um, unless it's been post or something, I guess it hasn't been hunted for anything in three years, and they're bumping heads on what they should do for their food plot situation. Right now, they roughly have an acre and a half of food plot per 100 acres, and they say, "What would you plant ratio cereal grains, brassicas, and clover?" Uh. Yeah, you need to ask more food plots. You know, I don't know for a fact without looking at the place, you know, and what their deer density is and all that. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, like, in my opinion, you can't have too much food. No. I mean, that, and that it is, can make it harder to hunt if you have these huge fields and you're trying to bow hunt them. Yes, yeah. that makes it harder. But at the same time, the way I look at it, if you're drawing in double the amount of deer and have forage for double the amount of deer, you're gonna your success rate's gonna go up because you're drawing in more deer that is a, a valid point as well because right now we just know it's a thousand acres they say there's a the, the hunting's good they've had some success but you don't know what other food sources availability there is you don't know what the natural forage is like yeah, you don't know how much I mean, covers there in my opinion your your native natural browse co uh, forages i mean that's what really makes a place pop your food plots are very important and like for three or four months out of the year yeah and if you've got the right habitat for uh, having browse and all what a deer needs to survive the rest of the year you don't need as many acres and food plots to hold deer over if that makes sense yeah but uh but just frame of mind just thinking about i have no idea what this place looks like i don't know if it's hardwoods or anything like that but yeah if uh if i were to do anything yeah i'd up 
my food plot ratio trying to get that deal between five and ten percent of that land yeah so i mean a thousand acres what's ten percent of that hundred so i mean that's that's a lot of food plots so yeah i mean a hundred acres of food plots a lot of food plots. a lot and lot. if they're doing that let's see if they're doing i mean they're doing an acre and a half per hang on maybe we may not be good at math here if they're if they've got an acre and a half per 100 acres then they've got 10 percent yeah so i mean that may be fine it's it's hard to answer that question without seeing the place well i think and and this guy um like i'll get back with him we probably like i don't i don't want to like give away like you know how some people are because this dude is from the southeast okay so i don't want to be you know some people they don't want to know where their spot is but i can probably get them to give me some more details so we can dive into the question a little bit more better yeah because i mean it, if it's you know it may be all pine rows and cutovers and if it is that means you got a high de deer density right you know and uh i mean it, if it's all hardwoods and wide big timber and stuff you don't have that as many numbers so you don't have to plant as much food to feed them you know mm -hmm. it really depends on the property yeah but uh number one is figuring out what your native is and then you supplement food plots yeah because that's what his main question was not even about the ratio from food plot to how much land they had like how much food should they plant is what they're mainly bumping heads on is whether they should plant more brassicas or whether they should plant more cereal grains yeah i mean i like it all really yeah i mean brassicas uh you produce a ton of forage if you can get them babies up mature early in the year you uh you have a lot of food to last a long time but cereal grains play a big part in that too in these big fields like those are your destination plots you know well yeah because i mean you can't a lot of folks like if especially since they're already having the conversation about cereal grains are cheaper to plant than brassicas i mean these huge destination plots if you were to plant that whole thing in brassicas you're looking at a good chunk of change yeah and i mean honestly it's not that big a difference for us price wise because uh, i mean bare minimum cereal grains like wheat notes i, I like doing at least 150 pounds an acre mm -hmm. and uh brassicas i mean they're like eight to ten pounds an acre yes they're way more expensive per pound but it doesn't take as many pounds yeah so that's what i would do is is get a budget together see what you can spend and uh figure out what the cost difference is between those two but uh clover wise man i would do half of your plots and some type of white clover yeah just because that's such a good food source year round yep you know for your deer and your turkeys yeah i mean you get them bad boys established next spring and you could like people don't do it in the southeast a ton but you can go in there in january and frost seed your plots that you already have in cereal grains this year and uh they'll come on and do good next spring as long as you keep them good and fertilized and mow them at least once a year after they get really tall and the grasses start getting high i like i like to wait until those clovers have developed a mature seed head then you mow it that's mm -hmm. that you reseeding your plot that way yeah and spray it i mean you don't you don't have to mow clover 15 times a year like some people think you know once or twice is good your main thing is is just keeping that forge mm-hmm i'm trying to think like what i would do in their situation because you also like i mean if you're putting this much thought into food plots it, you know you're going to want to think about your fertilizer and make sure your dirt right is dirt is right as yeah. well here's 
would be my recommendation is hunt that place this year keep notes on what you see and what you think needs to be done for next year yeah that's key yeah and then because my thing is if you especially if it's new to them and they don't you know necessarily know like like maybe go the cheaper route this year and you know because you don't want to like just pour a whole bunch of money in before you figure out what works and what doesn't yeah. like any time like you said if you've got a long-term lease on it like they said then they've got time to kind of figure it out mm-hmm. and piece together and that way you're i mean you're you're probably still gonna i mean you're gonna be spending some money for sure but you can maximize your efforts yeah i mean that's what we did at the zoo last year we hunted that place all all year and put together a plan for this year and we implemented it you know mm-hmm. so I, that's but that's my number one at when people are hunting a new place don't rush in anything just yeah. hunt it this year take good notes so you can remember it because i wouldn't remember the stuff we talked about last year yeah. without keeping a diary on what needed to be done for this year and we did the same thing at cottonmouth we yeah. were just there longer yep. as far as figuring out you know the brassicas did really good here they don't yeah man we kept a note and had a list on what to plant where you know it's all experimenting on it and I was, I mean, I was at a, I was at a place this weekend um, where a guy tried to plant brassicas, and um, I mean, he had, he planted them just like we'd said to plant them. He just, the, the, the spot, it wasn't like it didn't, it just didn't get enough sunlight. We talked about that last week, you know. Yeah. And I can see from, from his perspective, I mean, like that spot, I mean, it was. It wasn't. I mean, obviously, if it was a wide open field, it would have gotten plenty of sunlight. But there was just enough. Like I could see myself trying to plant brassicas there because I'd be like, you'd probably get enough sunlight here, and they're doing okay. But like I said, that's the, that's just the kind of stuff you learn. When did he plant them? Early September. So yeah, he got them in plenty early. Yeah, enough, I mean he did, he did just what just what we do. Hmm. He went in and asked me about them. I mean he planted his wheat and stuff and covered it, and then come in and threw the brassicas on top of it. It just didn't. I mean, and they're they're growing, but not like the like I saw other food plots that had brassicas where you know they're getting enough sunlight and they're doing fine yeah these are just and like i said they're coming up they're just a little stunted compared to the other ones right and maybe some kind of nutritional value they're not getting to yeah that's a couple different very variables that can come in there sunlight's a big deal though that's that would be i that was my first guess like i said because i would they're doing okay just not as good as the other ones yeah and the other ones he's i mean he's got close by they're just open and you know they're getting all the sunlight they need right so i'm i'm pegging i'm guessing that's the that's the factor that's my educated guess anyway yeah so uh to answer this question man it's you i'd try i'd keep a diary for this year figuring out what needs to go where as far as what you think the deer movement is on that place where they stay and what time of year because even a 200 acre track they'll move far as early season late season they may be half mile away you know oh yeah keying in on something that they really need ain't no doubt um i'm trying we probably like i said i'll get back up with this guy and we can probably dive into this question even deeper which i don't mind doing because like he said i'm sure there's plenty of folks out there that are just getting into a lease they've never had it or they've never dove into the food plots very deeply and they want to it's it's a very applicable question that's a that's a lot of lot that goes into it and and to your point you know uh, the, the common conception is that your food plots are done somewhere in the se- september october window for the southeast anyway yeah and then once you do that you're done with food plots but like you said the way that 
that we've done it is you just kind of keep tabs year round and that way it, it you know it determines what you do that next year mm-hmm. so yeah we can we can revisit that question uh, maybe even next week if i can get back up with it with this guy um so going into the meat of what we talked about today i'm going to open this subject with a short story that is the best it's the best example i can think of for going into this subject a friend of mine had a spot that he was hunting and he's his story was that he had this spot he would drive his truck into the gate and he had a lock on hung um think it was a grove of acorn trees if i remember right and he run trail cameras on it during the summer and there was all kinds of deer sign but whenever he went and hunted it you know he he would his wind would be right and everything but he just was not seeing the deer that he was expecting to see time and time again so it wasn't just like he tried it once and just no well then he realized that the way that he was coming into his stand Although he thought it was the right way, he was walking all through his deer to get to his spot. <laughs> so he thought the deer were bedding further back behind it and coming to the acorn tree pretty much kind of diagonally off his left shoulders where he was expecting them to come from. Well, where they were actually coming from was pretty much right through where he was walking. So, and I put up and the reason we do, I put up a poll thing on my Instagram this past week of you know would you be interested in this and i got pretty good response on both stand location and stand access so we can cover both of them but this week we'll talk about stand access mm-hmm. and how important it is i'd say i'd say it's i'd say it's one of the most important things and it's also one of the most overlooked things yes by far very much it uh i mean because like a, that that guy until it had he not figured that out and i'm not i don't know if he'd care if i said his name or not but i won't but until he figured that out he ended up i think he no he didn't kill it he missed a ginormous eight point but he did not get a shot at that eight point until he started coming to that stand from another way (laughs) that's crazy how big a difference that makes yeah so i'm trying to think how to how to go into this subject of what we would think about when we're hanging stands because we're probably i mean like we're probably going to start hanging stands either today or tomorrow yeah we hung some this weekend sure did and yeah okay let's go to that one just kind of a like, like we we're talking about we hung that stand yesterday over that uh swamp chestnut tree yeah but before that so me and you were on ev yesterday we had stands in the buggy we we're riding around looking trying to figure out some hot acorn trees mm-hmm. and we found a water oak yeah our willow oak i think so what it ended up being wasn't it yeah and it was hot yeah a lot, of, a lot of traffic in there did not put a stand there why because you well access at, well i mean access was the key point for sure and although that that tree was hot like you said there was another spot you said it because i hadn't been around there yet you were like we can hunt a good trail where this dumps out where you're essentially hunting the same deer that's going to be coming to this this acorn tree yep but you're not going to have to walk through all this to get there yeah where where we found this water oak is in uh it's about a, what 80 acres of hardwoods in yeah. there maybe and it's uh it's kind of on the edge of them but the only access to get in there 
without just blowing down the woods would be coming right through the middle of the hardwoods yeah and it's not a big deal doing that in the afternoon going in but coming out you're blowing all these deer came out of this this cut over that butts up this hardwood bottom all those deer coming out of that cut over going into the mass trees mm -hmm. at night and if you come out of your stand in the afternoon you hadn't killed anything you're putting a tremendous amount of pressure on that timber and that's where the majority of your deer are come nighttime yeah i think um one of the things that gets commonly overlooked whether because a lot of times people associate they'll they'll think about stand access but and i say this because i've been guilty of it a lot of times people think the quickest and quietest way to get to the stand is the best way to access it sometimes that's true Some, it just depends on sometimes it's true yeah but it's not always the case no sometimes it's like the longest most pain in the rear end way to get to that stand is the safest way to do it yeah you got to take the long way around i know guys that'll walk um like if you got a dry creek bank or something that you can follow up if you get lucky and the and the and the stand that you hung is like right on the bank of the creek that way you can just pop up out of the creek and climb up your ladder that's perfect but there's so many things that get overlooked like you'll you'll hunt a stand and you'll you'll plan on hunting it on the right wind but the way that you walk into it your wind won't be right for does mm -hmm. that make sense yeah and I, I know several guys and how like how many times i can especially think about it in my younger days you'll you'll see a deer coming in and he'll doe buck or whatever will hit where you walked in and you'll see it they stop on a dime they'll stop and start sniffing the ground and sometimes they may still keep coming sometimes but even if they do they're on alert that may have been like you know just chilled coming to get them a bite of acorns or whatever but then they smell where you walked in and all of a sudden they're keyed up and then you got that to deal with yeah they uh they definitely know when you're in the woods if if you come in from the wrong angle so like yesterday for instance we ended up hanging that other stand on that swamp chestnut tree it's just become a fact of the matter like when we hang a stand you're also thinking about not only where that stand is and your shot and the wind but you're thinking about how you're going to access it like yeah. you you marked the way out after we left there yeah because not only because i mean you could walk like there is a a like a track like a road yeah it's a built up road with bush hog and it was, yeah. it was built for timber cutting years ago when yeah. they built it up because of the swamp but uh, we've kept it maintained now but yeah. uh if you walk the road going to where we hung the stand you're walking right through where you think the deer are going to end up at so yeah so i mean that would be the quickest and easiest route ever you just walk down the edge of the road and quiet and yeah. pop in the stand you're quiet you're there but if a deer like if especially if there's going to be numbers or does whatever they pop out they start coming down that road they're gonna smell where you walked yeah i mean they just are yeah and so there's a little dim road that's just inside the woods walking trail so i mean you're gonna have to cross the road we're talking about but it's a whole lot further up so the time the deer smell you it's be, in it's in the big timber yeah you know yeah and what this setup is is i mean it's that that swamp chestnut it is right on the edge of that cut over and the cutover's 10 years old so it's yeah. that's a hardwood cutover so 10 years of growth on a hardwood cutover it's it's perfect right now yeah and uh it's holding a tremendous amount of deer so that's where they're coming from in my mind you you'll have some come from behind you more than likely at yeah. some point but yeah. the vast majority of them are in that cutover yeah 
it's not like a, like it's it's hardly ever especially with bow hunting it's hardly ever like a hundred percent game like you're not going to get all the deer to come right where you think they're coming from yeah i've even been in the mid midwest before and you you're hunting these fingers of trees and you're like well this is where they're going to come and you look out across the freaking prairie over there cornfield whatever and there's a buck coming across a wide open you yeah. know you just don't ever know but no. you can uh you can have an educated guess and it's, it's trying to put most of the odds in your favor yeah is is what the game is um and like i said everyone that that i had some folks inbox me about the stand access thing because it like and i it's not it the thing is it's really not that hard to figure out the the far as the best way to access a stand it's just not thought about very often here's what i do i try to think like a deer and i try to do what they don't want to do <laughs> that's the easy that's what made it click for me elaborate like we all know that deer love traveling the path of least resistance mm -hmm. and edges you've heard that you've heard us say it a hundred times you've heard it other people say it a hundred times was fact well if a deer is going to travel that edge or that road or that trail i'm just like in my mind i'm just like i'm not going near there yeah you know stay away from it i'm gonna do what a deer wouldn't do i mean yeah because that's i mean and, and it seems like obvious but it gets i mean if again if you're hunting if you're trying to catch deer you know like if, if we're bow hunting because it's like the stand access thing i mean it's important with all types of deer hunting but it's amplified during bow hunting because you're trying to get deer close oh, yeah, it's if amplified a hundred times over if you're trying to catch deer on a trail you know or are you trying to catch them on their way to a big ag field or something like that yeah and you're trying and you're seeing like all these power trails just coming through here you're hunting an old logging road maybe and there's trails going down and headed to it you don't want to walk right there yeah you know what i mean it's as simple as that like i've known got like a, a good example i can think of of that is i know guys that they'll they'll park their truck you know most places if they have a lease or a camp or whatever you got like your gate that you drive in and your, your road system they'll guys they'll i know guys they'll park on the blacktop and their their walk is 200 yards longer than it could be Mm -hmm. but if they access the stand from that way they're they're accessing it from the right wind and they're walking through these big big wide open hardwoods to get to the stand so they don't have to walk down right down the edge of the thick stuff where they're expecting yeah. the deer to come from i mean i can think of times like me and you've done this several times that if there's no access as far as like getting in there without going through where you think a deer may come mm-hmm like if we're just on a road for for instance we've drove drove an ev in there and like parked it 30 yards behind the tree yeah like if it's a good enough cover just so we didn't have that ground scent because i mean rubber tires and stuff i mean that's a totally different smell than a human it wor uh, that works yes very much <laughs> we did it last year with that, you that works you, you killed a deer november the 14th last year and we did that we drove in there with a buggy dumped all our stuff out at the tree and then you drove back out there with a buggy mm -hmm. never put enough no boot tracks on the ground in that food plot yeah, there's it, it works mm -hmm. like it like that if if that's something that you're i, I know guys I, know, I, I mean it only works in certain situations yeah but i'm saying it there i think there's probably a hundred percent chance that some some of the folks that are going to listen to this podcast go hey we could do that you yeah. know and this to the same deal i know guys it seems lazy 
and yeah you're saving yourself some walking but sometimes i mean i know some people just don't want to be lazy but uh if you're able to drive somebody to their stand where they hop out and go straight up the tree that's way less scent pressure on the ground and that's i mean that's an excellent way to do that if you're hunting like on a food plot or something the man the buddy system we've talked about this before but like when troy killed mufasa what was that five six years ago now but uh i think five five seasons ago something like that but uh but that's what we did with him i went in there and dropped y'all off at the stand and kept going yep like i never cut the truck off i was like get bail out boys we did the same thing because that deer was living close like mm-hmm. he knew when you were in there and everything he could hear everything's going on so he heard the truck and he was living to a spot where he heard truck every day yeah and i just went down through there y'all bailed out and jumped in the stand and i kept going we did the same thing with wilbur the year before you started here and i was filming him same thing i mean like the truck never quit running we just bailed off and climbed up the tree yep and so and again you're thinking especially if you're hunting somewhere where deer are close like that you're trying to make it as minimal pressure pressure as possible and i know we we hammer on pressure a lot but i mean that's what this whole topic of stand access is about it's about minimizing the amount of pressure you leave in those woods pressure can take the best property that's ever been in america you can take the best property in america right now and if you do it wrong like pressure wise it will make that property one of the worst so we spent all last week planting here yeah and we've been running trail cameras and stuff well 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 before then yeah um running cameras and just like the the number of pictures especially daylight pictures but pictures overall like just when we were planting gone down fell off tremendously yep because that's what, and we've said this before, but I'll say it again. A lot of folks, times when you say pressure, they think about just hunting pressure. That's just any kind of human pressure put in those woods affect those deer. Yep. And I mean, and that's like a, that's a necessary evil. You, I mean, we're planting our food plots. We kind of knew that was going to happen, but it's just, a, it's a good example. Just being out there on the tractor and the ranger with that cedar that we had, the, I mean, it heavily affected yeah. the way those deer shuts, were moving. It shuts them down, man. They, they know somebody's in the woods in their house they're not gonna come out yeah um so stand access is huge you got to think about wind um you got to think about where those deer are coming from because again like i was thinking um so the spot down there in the bottom at the bottom of the big kudzu hill mm-hmm. where i went over there and i told you i found a spot where i named that place last week yeah you did dead tractor valley dead or <laughs> blissett hill or one of those two so i get a call from jordan last week i'd run to the office to go pick up some more seed and i get a call from no i had a missed call from jordan i call him back jordan picks up the phone and goes i almost died <laughs> i did i was like wait a second what <laughs> yeah care to elaborate so this hill it's a mountain for mississippi it's a big hill like let's not like this is not an exaggeration i don't want to underplay this like this is a steep hill like legitimately a steep hill i mean it's got to be what three or four hundred feet elevation change yeah and it's yeah i mean it's a big big steep hill yeah so i had the seed buggy which had i don't know a couple thousand pounds seed in it Mm -hmm. fertilizer 
and I was this last plot I had to do for the day, and this hill is a booger anyway. So I throw the tractor down in granny gears and four low, just putting down through there, going like a half mile an hour, even if that. Mm-hmm. And I get about 60 yards down the hill, and it's about another two, three hundred to the bottom. And the tractor, something happens, and it just goes to free rolling. Oof. I think we clutch blew out of it or something, or gear broke, gearbox. I don't know. There's something serious broke in it. Yeah. But the tractor just went to rolling. Yeah. Like, and I'm I don't know how much that tractor weighs a lot, and the seed buggy behind it's got even more weight than probably the tractor weighs. Yeah. And I hit the brakes, and the back of the tractor picks up because the seed buggy's pushing down on it. So I'm like, well, I can't do this. I'm gonna flip over. Yeah. And uh finally like got it because i mean it has no gear retention like nothing slowing it down Shift the, it, the yeah. only thing is the brakes and uh if anybody's rode on tractor you know if you got a lot of weight behind it and you just use the brakes to slow you down it doesn't work too well no but uh finally got it halfway under control and coasted down the hill without breaking anything or turning nothing over uh, you're lucky like i thought about that like what if it was a hill that steep and you didn't have and it's not like you can veer to one side or the other because uh-uh. there's freaking canyons on both sides of yeah. it. we have this one little road yeah and so that's what i was thinking i was like what if like when it finally flattens out what if like the tree line was a way closer yeah you know what i mean i mean like you could have very easily get it i mean had it been in a similar situation like that and you end up putting that thing in a tree yeah like it could have been serious the good lord was watching over me that day yeah so, like it was it, it could have been bad so anyhow yeah that could have been bad that spot and i found there's an old 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 dim road in there and with a lot of trails dumping out to it and dumping out to it and i found some good spots for both setups Mm -hmm. and someone started and i'm ratting myself out here someone messaged me they're like how are you going to access that spot because i put a picture of the onyx and i was like you know i ain't even thought about it's hard yeah, I thought I was like I, th- I hadn't even thought about that yet. Like it's yeah. a good spot. Like I feel like you definitely could have some success in there. But I'm like, what is the best way to access that? Jump out of a helicopter? Because there's really, I mean, like I can think about the le- the lesser of the evils, but there's there's not like just a this is the best way. It's one of them spots you put a cell camera in there and wait on it to get right. You go ahead and hang your setup, get all your stands ready, put a cell cam in there, and wait on them two or three days where that buck is ready he's ready to go yeah and you go in there and hunt it that's the only way you do that you can't that ain't one of them spots you hunt day in day out no that's no one, it's like a one and done deal. you'll burn it out like quick mm-hmm. quick quick because you're you're basically you're you're kind of inter- at an interception point between two food sources yeah. for now until them kudzu gets burned out until when the kudzu burns out by the frost they'll have that food plot it'd be a lot easier just coming to a food plot then but like uh it's the same scenario i was telling you like we were talking about a while ago why we didn't hang that stand in that water that water oak we found yesterday yeah it's one of them deals yeah you can get in there in the afternoon fine like going in but coming out you're blowing every daggum deer out within that's coming within a quarter mile yeah because that's what i was thinking about that i was like getting in there in the afternoon the best way that i could think is I would probably, I would take the EV down there, the electric buggy, and I would drive it. I would, I would drive it to the, 
the road between the two food plots, I think, and pop it over and then kind of cut through the woods, not go down that trail, just kind of split the difference between the kudzu and the food plot and cut the woods and go straight to the stand that way. That was the best way I could think of for now. Like yeah. I said, but even then, it, that's not... And honestly, you just park downwind somewhere because, I mean, you're blowing it out when you come out anyway. Yeah. So it really like does. Said, <laughs> it's, it really, it's, it's, it's a, there's not a jam up way to do it. Your like access you, works either way, but your, your exits was the messed up part. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, like I said, it's not ideal. And that, like I said, that guy messaged me, he said, you know, I didn't think about that. <laughs> and I should have. But that, I mean, like I said, that's, I ain't the first time I've done that. Usually I think about it, but when I think about it, it's like when I'm going to hunt there. I'm like, hmm. I tend to overthink all that. Yeah. But like I said, it's, it's definitely, that that needs to be when you're hanging a setup, when you're planting a food plot, how you get to that stand should be just as much of a priority in your head when you're doing it as it is where you're putting that tree stand to begin with. Especially. Like when we uh when we're drawing food plots and stuff like we're gonna put in for next year, that's the number one thing I start thinking about. How do we get into this place? How do we design it where the access is easy? Yeah, I mean, cause it really, I mean, it's not. I'm not over, like overstating this. It it can very much make or break a hunt, hundred percent. Yes, and like the the key to it, especially hunting a small track, like small tracks are very very pressure sensitive yeah like you've got to figure out exactly what your accesses are on the on the same on the winds you can hunt in places and don't go in there and until it's right or you're gonna like you can hunt it two or three times and probably had fantastic hunts but you got to remember we're trying to trying to hunt these places throughout the season you're trying you know? to sustain it yeah. yeah so limited pressure is key on making a place last for two or three months because i i get that like people tell me all the time like i had all these pictures in october and the deer just disappear mm -hmm. I, hunt, I hunted out there every freaking day for two weeks they gone i didn't see no more <laughs> yeah it's man it's um it's like a it it's such a weird balance you know because especially you know if a guy's like a weekend warrior and they just like they're gonna hunt like i get that and there so ain't nothing wrong with going hunting it's just no. thinking about covering your bases that way you can have five or six weekends that you enjoy it rather than one or two yeah and and i'm trying to like you think about um there are times where you think your access is perfect like my friends dad talked about earlier you find out like no it's not but yeah. and, and it's all about monitoring like what's been going on so like if you're getting a bunch of trail cam pictures and you're hunting everything you're doing everything right and you're seeing the activity fall off and maybe you back up and go all right what maybe what maybe it's not what's going on here what i think it is maybe the situation is a little bit different i mean you can't i see a lot of hunters do that they they get their stand set they they know the way that they access it and then it's like that's it that's the way we do it they're they're afraid to audible they don't want yeah. to change from that point so that's something that to look out for too but i was telling you that yesterday we were hanging them lock-ons and ladder stands up i was like you know, I'm so, so used to grabbing a climber and I can pick and choose how I go in and out every day on certain winds. And, like, I feel like once you hang that lock on or that ladder, it's, like, supposed to be there. Yeah. I was, we were talking about that yesterday. Yeah. But that's not the case. You know, you if you find out something's not working right, you can 
show enough, take it down and move it. Which the way they do lock-ons and stuff these days is not like, I mean, it's not as easy to move as a climber is, your yeah. standard lock-on. But, I mean, you've got guys doing the, the hanging hunts now. they got them sticks and them lock-ons with the brackets. You can just pop up real quick. Mm-hmm. It's not, I mean, and even if it is like a standard lock-on, it's not that hard to move. No. And if it's not working, it's not working, you know. But, like I said, it's just, man, it, by no means are we perfect at it. I, I mean, shoot, I ain't perfect at it. I just told you about them spot. I didn't even think about it until <laughs> that dude asked me. I was like, I should have thought about that. Yeah, you, <laughs> you learn something, especially hunting a new place. Now, if you hunt a place for 10 years, you can have 90% of it figured out. Yeah. You yeah. still got that 10% of variable. Yeah. Well, like I said, I mean, at me, you know how I can get excited and when i get excited i'll quit thinking i'll do something stupid i just saw that spot all them trails I was like this is a good spot <laughs> we need to get here you can kill a deer with your bow here and then <laughs> bring in the helicopter and slide down a rope into the tree drop me off but anyhow um so yeah i think we covered that topic pretty good i'll get back with the guy that asked us about his lease because i think like i said i think that is a very applicable question we'll wrap it up from here because we have a full day of work with a full couple of days of work ahead of us brad, uh jordan and i are at the camp right now brad, brad will be here in a little bit um we've got more tractor work and stand hanging and all kinds of stuff to do so we're gonna get after it i'm on stand hanging duty now since i broke the tractor yeah brad ain't gonna let you drive no more tractors <laughs> <laughs> all right guys i hope you enjoyed this episode we'll see y'all back here next monday and as always thank you for listening to the speak the language podcast